The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So as I do this practice, I find myself kind of drifting in and out of um, my stories, rehearsing conversations, kind of like my normal discursive thought, and then and then coming back to the present. And then there's, um, there's a little bit of an in-between state of like telling myself the stories and knowing that I'm telling myself the stories. And I'm kind of wondering where... Um, where I want to put my effort? Should I be putting more effort into not arriving into that space um, of, of of telling stories? But yeah, there's there's kind of like three different places I could be. Which one do I want to? Yeah. Uh, so there, there may be a middle ground here. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in describing this experience, I think this is pretty common, especially um, at the beginning um, in exploring this practice, because it's, there's less to kind of ground you here, less to, um, less to help you recognize that, that you're lost. Um, you know, when, when you're aiming the attention, particularly on an experience such as the breath, when you're not with the breath, that itself can be kind of a little reminder. And so it, it's a little bit more challenging to use. Essentially what we're using here as the, as the anchor is awareness itself. Am I aware? And so that's the first thing to check into is am I aware? And so that sounds like you're doing that, that the, the mind is lost. And then there is the, okay, I know I'm aware. And you're aware of the thoughts, basically. Um, and then um, what, what could be interesting at that point um, because what, there might be an idea of, well, thoughts, I need to stop the thoughts in order to be aware of something. Or I have to turn my attention away from the thoughts in order to be aware of something. But generally when there's thoughts, especially if they're a little sticky, if, they're, if they have some, some juice to them, um, there's other things going on at the same time as those thoughts that are use, it's u- is useful to kind of check into. And so there's the thoughts, and then there's the effect that those thoughts have on you. That's a good place to, to tune into in that, in that moment. To, okay, so these thoughts are happening. You don't have to try to stop thinking them. But how are they affecting me? What kinds of emotions are here in relation to those thoughts? What's the body like in relation to those thoughts? So that it's, 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 it's kind of in between, essentially, you know, thinking the idea of, okay, aware of thoughts and then somehow aware of the present moment. Um, but sometimes we have a, a sense of turning away from the thoughts to turn to something in the present moment, like the breath. And this is in between that. It's like we're, we may be letting go of the content of the thoughts here or letting go of, of the, the direct attention to the thoughts in favor of the effect the thoughts have on us. And that's a really useful place to explore because thoughts have a very powerful effect on us and we often aren't really consciously aware of that. So that's a, that's a place to explore there. And if the thought is really sticky, if the, if the emotions around the thoughts are, are, are quite reactive, that might be a time to actually turn to something else, to, um, 
to kind of set aside that the thoughts and how we are responding to those thoughts in favor of you know you could you could open your eyes and just look around the room um, ground yourself in being here in the room or you you could explore being with the breath at that point although something I've seen in my own experience especially if there's um, a lot of emotional charge about something um, paying attention to the breath is not necessarily the easiest thing to do um, because when there's emotional charge often the breath is engaged with that um, that the, the, the emotional charge tends to be experienced in the area of the inner torso, and that's where the breath happens. And so sometimes if we attend to the breath there, we almost unwittingly get pulled back to the reactivity because the sensations of the reactivity are in this area. And so sometimes it can be useful to have a go-to place for grounding the attention that's outside of the kind of central area of the torso. It might be contact a feet on the ground or sensation of hands or contact of, of the body against the chair or cushion or bench or using the kind of orienting in the room just looking at you know just a second for each object just look at an object and then switch to another object and switch to another object just uh, orienting in the room can also be a very useful skill at that point um, but there's this intermediate place or in-between place a lot of the time when we, we become aware of thoughts that they're not that sticky, but we don't quite know how to connect to the, to the, the whole of the experience around the thoughts. And that's, that's more what I'm, I'm suggesting here is that broaden from just the content to including how the whole being is affected by those thoughts. Does that does that speak to your question? I, th- I th- it's yeah. It's it starts to. There's like there's this whole. Um, I don't, when I look at the thoughts, they kind of they kind of break apart into a bunch of pieces. There's like there's the the original motivation, and there's the effect that they're having on me, and then there's the different strategies my mind is trying to use to get what I want or get away from what I don't want. And that, that in itself is very interesting. And it feels like there's maybe some value in there, but there's also, it seems uh, dangerously seductive as well. Okay, so, so what you describe about seeing the intention, seeing the kind of, you know, how it affects you, you know, the, the various pieces there, that's really useful. And so there, there's a kind of an art form to this practice of recognizing when can I be with something? When is the curiosity strong? And when does it get seductive? So noticing that pull, noticing that seductive pull, that would be the time to shift to something else. You know, that, or, or the, well, the first thing to, to notice potentially, if it's possible for you, is to feel that seductive pull because that's a form of greed. And so you can just know, okay, the relationship to this is really wanting to think about it. And you might be able to know that. Oh, really wanting to know, to, to, to think about this or really wanting to go there. You might be able to know that. But, but respect those pulls because sometimes they're stronger than our capacity to be aware of them. And it, so you, you, it's kind of like we learn. We learn our, our tipping point, in a way. We learn our tipping point as to where we kind of get lost in whatever it is. And, and it's an art form for us. We, you know, we, we might explore trying to be with something for a little while and then get lost. 
and that's okay. It's just like, well, that was the experiment. And then it might be for a little while that you, you explore backing off a little bit. And it's like, okay, maybe I can try a little bit longer. So, you know, play with it and, and see what you learn about your mind. There'll be different conditions at different times. You know, sometimes, for instance, you might be, um, you know, hungry or tired and have less capacity with that pull. Other times there might be, you might be rested and, and there's more capacity to be with that pull. So it's not always going to be the same, but we begin to get a sense of when the mind is just losing touch with, with the being aware. And that, that feeling, so the note, this is, this is an important point actually, the, the kind of the familiarity with being aware, just that experience of being aware. We begin to recognize the, kind of slipping from that or the, the just like the weakening of that and that sometimes we can just bring attention to that but that's that pull that's that pull out of the present moment so getting familiar with that experience of when we're being pulled away from the present moment then we can bring more interest in that moment and potentially redirect if it's a strong a strong pull yeah thank you for that question Anything you noticed about the walking? Anybody want to share something about the walk? Yeah, let's um, use the mic. There's a button on the side. Yep, is that it? The invisible button? Okay, thanks. I put bright yellow fluorescent tape on everything that's invisible. Um, I just thought you'd be amused. So I'm an absolute rank beginner to this. And I like the quiet sitting part, but I go for walks all the time. So when I went for a walk, my problem is that I have a garden I really like. And so I get totally caught up in what other people did with their yard. So I don't think that's going to work for me. Uh (laughs) Because... It was way too much fun to look at what everybody did with their yard. Well, so the question is, were you aware that it was fun to look at the yards? I had an absolutely wonderful time. Uh, But were you aware? Oh, very aware. Okay. Um, There's no problem there. We can be aware while we are looking at things, while we are enjoying looking at things. We can know the enjoyment. We can know that we're looking. So it's really the awareness. And so that's the piece that I'd encourage you to, to check in with. It's like, while you're enjoying it, just check, am I aware? Yeah, okay, I'm aware. That's, that's oh, fine. good. Okay, great. <laughs> and I also noticed there's like almost no trash in this neighborhood. <laughs> so, so there's so nothing th- to pull you out of the joy. B- 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 well, there are things to pull you out of the joy <laughs> in the mind. <laughs> I'm happy that for you, for today, there didn't seem to be things to pull you out of the joy, but <laughs> there will be at some point. <laughs> I do want to say this, that the, the reason I staggered out of bed and drove so far, not drove so far to get here, um, was because I have a really serious problem that's causing me a great deal of illness. And I found that within about 10 minutes, that problem went away, and my happy came back. So, um, 
So yeah, there are stuff that can make you unhappy. Yes. Yeah. But I like to to lean toward stuff that doesn't make me unhappy. Yeah. And smelling and somebody else's roses that I don't even have to take care of. <laughs> so so yeah, noticing how the practice I mean basically the practice supports conditions for happiness. It's a beautiful thing. And we get to um uh notice the conditions in our mind for unhappiness and bring awareness to that. And yet that that begins to create the conditions for the letting go of those and the supporting of the happy conditions. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Rosemary. I started my walk very slow. And then I uh, saw a rose. And I smelled it and it didn't have any smell. And my, the thought started rambling. My dad loved roses, but the roses I'm replanted to the house I'm living in now have a smell, and the smell <laughs> I was able to stop the thought where I go off into la-la land. <laughs> and then I saw uh, a number on, on the thing, and I used to uh, live at a, a number 327, and this said 07. And so then I look up, and I... I just was able to pause and go, and then I saw uh, Hopkins Manor, and I um, remembered there's a girl, I can't remember her name, that went there, and I'm thinking of downsizing and going to assisted living soon. And I thought, well, I'll go in and find out when I can come for a visit to have them explain here. So I go in. I got the brochures and stuff, and so the gal was very, very happy. Well, I had to find my way in, and that's something else. I'm called Get Lost Grandma. But go to the rear, it says, and um, I'm able to follow the instructions, and it it isn't easy finding where the rear was to get into the entrance to this manor, and I'm seeing all the steps to go up and being aware of Pretty soon I can't go up the steps. So there are days I can't get up and I can't get down. And I <laughs> so I was able to let that go. I'm here just to get some information. And I'm trying to tell that when I finally got the girl who was telling me, um, I don't know what she was saying, but anyway, for whatever, as it rolled on, I'm trying to say that... Um, I'm trying to find out when they have it for they have people come in and uh, show people they have a lunch or something and tell them all about it and bring my daughters. And she's not getting it. She's going to give me this information right now. This is one of the first time in my life I've been able to realize, okay, I don't have to do anything, but the... The, the monkey mind came in and said, you're talking, you should be, this is a silent <laughs> <laughs> But I thought, this is something I yet need to do and follow through, and then I let her know that I, um, I, I'm, uh, um, I go to uh, Gordon Manor, and I knew that somebody was in there. Then she started saying, you know, do whatever. She started giving me stories. 
then she led me to somebody that I know. So, so come back to the awareness part. Okay, the awareness is that I got to be still and I got to be quiet, but I want to get a reservation uh-huh. um, to come back and do this with my daughters if I would choose to have this. But the awareness is going, I'm losing them by thinking, gee, those are steps I, I can't really, I got to plan ahead of time. And then come back to be aware right now. Right. So it just went on and on with distractions of people I know right now and all this she's telling me about the... What so the, the thoughts, the distraction of thoughts? Uh, so I'm ready to sign up because there's so many people that I know right there right now. And um, I hadn't known that there's a big event tomorrow. Um, and I'm able to not, not get distracted there to know that, gee, that's nice to know because I really want to go. Uh, it was constantly being able to come back to the present moment and find a date when they're gonna, they have their lunch, for the, invite everybody in mm-hmm. and whatnot. I never did get it, but I got uh-huh. the shoes. And found I couldn't get out the gate to go back. I couldn't make the gate work. So I, she had disappeared and all these different things to find her to get the gate to get out of this place and to know which way was how, the, where I was going because there was a magic thing that she pulled that opened the gate. So I want to remind you about not going so much into the story. Okay. I, yeah. Anyway, she came back and there was something that I couldn't see to open the gate. And then I got out the gate to know the next step to get back to Birch Street. And I wasn't quite, I knew I had to be back at 1130. And uh, anyway, for what that is, and then I don't need to, before I would be rambling and rambling about how to make the next move. Mm -hmm. Now I know I don't need to. Yeah. And I was saying I'm right next door. And that whether they know who you are or what you are, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And the, the racing thoughts of, gee whiz, that would be right next door. And I can come over here and walk over here as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it does sound like there was some mindfulness returning that kept realizing all of the thoughts that were happening. And that's the place. to in, the, in daily life, we can come back and know that in the middle of it. And that helps us to stay here. Yes, because other than that, I'd be on my way to get a hold of my daughters to come out right now and <laughs> do this. <laughs> anyway, that was it. So thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Other comments? Yeah. I was just uh, struck with how um, subtle the practice is. And I, I did the non-residential retreat last year with you and enjoyed it very much. But in the meantime, I've been really working a lot with breath awareness. And I feel like when I do breath awareness, 
there's a sense that you get more concentrated, and that's kind of rewarding for me, feeling like I'm sort of progressing in some yeah. way. And then it's the idea of progressing. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so returning to this practice, um, it just it felt very like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and I know that, it, that I, it be, I guess maybe the the insight is realizing that there is this sort of expectation that I want to progress and maybe attain something. And this kind of uh, doesn't play that game. That's Yes, it doesn't quite play that game, but it, it has a, a different... Our, our idea or our, our, our motivation may be a little different to, to, to learn about our minds, you know, as, as, as Joseph Goldstein was saying, you know, sit down and watch the mind if you want to understand it. And we really do begin to get a sense of what the conditioning is. I mean, essentially what we're doing by noticing what's arising in the present moment, by receiving what's arising in the present moment, we are looking at the results of our choices from the past. We're looking at our conditioning in this moment because everything that arises in this moment is a result of threads from the past. Some of them our own choices, others conditioning from our cultures, our families, others just circumstances. But what we are seeing in this moment is essentially our history. And, and that's the place that we can begin to understand not only what the history has conditioned, but how am I responding to that in this moment? Um, you know, we can, we can pay attention to the breath and, and settle the mind and get concentrated. And yet the, 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 in the mindfulness practice, that use of that, the, the strategy of attending to the breath, and then perhaps when something's strong, I notice that, but then come back to the breath. The, the, the capacity that that cultivates, the concentration that that cultivates at some point is turned to, towards noticing what's happening in the present moment. And so in a way, what this practice is doing is just more directly going right at what's happening in the present moment. And so the settling around um, that concentration, it's a slower settle, I would say, um, for some people, it's a slower settle. For some people, trying to stay with one object is very challenging. Um, but for some people, um, you know, the, the, the focusing on the, um, the one object, you do get some feedback sometimes pretty quickly that, oh, this, boy, this feels pretty good. <laughs> this brings the mind into stillness and calm. And, and, and so it does feel like progress, you know. It's, it's like, yes, that's what I want. And yet that is a... That is in the service, that, that's, that state of mind, that, that practice is in the service of eventually opening to a broader set of experience. And so in this practice, we're more settling uh, through a broad range of experience. And the concentration does come, but it's a different flavor of concentration. I didn't speak about this earlier, but um, the concentration we're most familiar with in meditation is the one-pointed concentration, picking an experience and staying with it. And that cultivates a stability of mind and a stability of object. It creates a, a lot of stillness in the mind because the, we're just focusing on one thing and it's like that becomes our world. and that's So, so everything becomes around that. In this practice, we are... Um, not focusing on one experience. And so the, the sense of concentration is 
it feels different because we are um, not still, the objects aren't still, the objects are changing. There's a lot of changing experience with the, with the objects. And so we might not recognize it as concentration in a way. But what's similar in these two kinds of concentration is the stability of the awareness. In the one-pointed concentration, it's stability of awareness and stability of object together. In, in this kind of concentration, it's stability of awareness not getting lost with changing experience. And that, too, can create the conditions for a lot of joy, a lot of um, interest and settledness of mind that feels different. But um, and, and what I'd say, too, is it, it can be slower to get familiar with that because we are kind of going through our conditioning <laughs> to get there. So at the same time that we are settling the mind in this way, we're also learning about our minds. We're learning, just as, as the gentleman over there was mentioning, about our thoughts and the motivations and the reactivities that go along with it. And so it's, it's a different way in, but... You know, essentially, they come to the same place, ultimately. At some point, sometimes with the concentration focus, we tend to get kind of attached to that at times. And um, and so at some point, if that's been the focus of the practice, there has to be a letting go of that state in order to open to... Um, to the broader range of experience. And so, you know, there, there are just many ways into this practice, and this is just one. Uh, the way I'm teaching today is just one. And uh, I like to offer it because, um, well, for, first of all, it was incredibly helpful for me. Um, it, it opened, after having done a lot of the focused practice, what this style of practice did was really broaden the capacity for being aware of way more experience. It's like the narrow attention let me be really attentive to specific kinds of experience. And when the mind was concentrated, specific, even when opening to open awareness, it was specific kinds of experience tended to happen. Um, but this kind of practice really broadens our capacity for mindfulness in many more situations. Uh, and so this has been a huge benefit for me in, in this practice is that 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 broadening of the capacity for mindfulness to go way more, like infiltrate into much more of my experience. And that then, in turn, giving the mind an education about where there are subtle kinds of clingings still happening. So this practice does take a a real commitment to meeting your reactivity, your subtle aversions and clingings and um, delusions, the, the kind of focus this way, sometimes we can set those aside. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely different ways in. And, and I'd say you're, you're right to some extent that this, this practice has a different, uh, a different agenda than that going into the concentrated, the pleasure of that concentration to start with. And yet, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, there's nothing wrong with that as a practice. And I found in this particular style of practice that there's certain times when, as I just open to what's obvious, the mind will kind of naturally gravitate towards being with the breath. Okay, that's just what's happening right now. Maybe that this is what needs to happen. So just knowing that that's what's happening. So there's a lot of room for 
um, experimentation and curiosity about what serves, I think. But this, what I'd say is this style of practice um, really begins to open um, to a lot more, a lot more things. Uh, a lot more of, of our conditioning gets clearly revealed. Um, and then there's the possibility being revealed that the mind can learn a new relationship and shift away from reactivity around it. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thanks. So um, let's do another sitting.